worship with us again here this morning. Uh, as we get going, I'd like to uh, thank especially somebody who's been working very hard for the last month or so, uh, Christine Burrill. Is she here? Is she out? She's still, she's actually working, serving right now. Um, but uh, Christine has stepped in uh, to help make uh, coffee and get sweets ready and help get communion ready for the last month uh, as Renate has been out. Um, and Renate's back. Hi, Renate. Renate's back. Um, and while Renate has been out, Christine has stepped in to help uh, take care of the coffee and, and getting us all um, set up on Sunday morning. So I just wanted to thank her very much for the work that she does. Yeah, nice and loud because she's actually making coffee right now. There you go. Um, so we took a little break last week from 1 John, but we're going to be back in 1 John this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 John. Uh, there should be a Bible in the seat back around you, like I said before. And if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Please feel free to keep that. Um, so we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. And so two weeks ago, just to catch everybody up to where we're at, two weeks ago we talked about the different ways that we can know if we are truly real Christians. We said that a real Christian would know Christ experientially. That a real Christian would obey Christ's command to love and that a real Christian would walk as Christ walked. And so this morning, as we continue walking through the, the letter of 1 John, we're going to see John expound on that second point he made two weeks ago about Christ's command to love one another. One of the things we said as we studied this letter, we studied 1 John, we said that this letter is built on, what John is doing in this letter is teaching us the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. He is laying the building blocks for what it looks like to be a Christian. That in the midst of all the different teachings, all the different noise that is in the world, all the things that claim to be good, all the things that claim to be helpful, all of these things, all the noise that we hear, all the things that even appear to be Christian-like, that John says, this is the truth. These are the things that you need to be assured of, that what you believe is what you have heard from the beginning, what you have heard from us, and when these things are what we heard from Christ himself. And so this morning, we're going to continue that idea as he writes about the commandment to love one another. And so that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into 1 John chapter 2. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, God, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the, the beautiful weather and for days like this where we get to gather together uh, and celebrate and worship and sing and uh, be vocal about these things. Lord, that, God, we thank you that we have a, a building that we can gather in, that we can put a giant sign out front um, that says that we follow Jesus and, and do so without fear of repercussions, do so without fear of attack. Um, God, we thank you for that, and Lord, we pray for those, uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who can't do that, who are meeting and gathering on Sunday mornings in quiet, who are singing as deep and passionately as they can be, but in a whisper because they can't be noticed. And so, Lord, we pray for them. God, as we continue to study your letter, this letter from John to Christians, and Lord, help us to be shored up, to be assured of what we believe, to be shored up in these things that we know to hold fast to the truth that we have been taught and that you have taught us and instructed us in, Lord. We pray that uh, this morning, God, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. And we pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So we're going to pick it up in verse 7. So we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, 
but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So right at the top, he says, I'm writing to you this new commandment. What is this thing that John is talking about? This commandment, he says, that we have known from the beginning, this thing that we have heard. And how in the world is it new if we've already heard it? And what does it have to do with Jesus and the light and the darkness and all these different themes that we've been talking about? What is this commandment John is talking about? It's love. Jesus said in, in John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, when we say love... That's one of those words that gets thrown around a lot, and we have to do a little bit of clarifying when we talk about love. Because in today's world, you can say, I love pizza. I love my cat. I love my wife. I love God. God loves me. And somehow in there, pizza, cat, and God all got on the same playing field. We've taken the word love, and we've kind of uh, cheapened it a little bit in the way that we use it. There's a little bit of a disconnect. But in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, there are actually different words for the word love. There are different variations. And there are actually three that are used throughout the Bible. There's eros, which is uh, where we get our word erotic, which is, you know, the um, romantic kind of love. There is uh, philea, uh, the love between equals, so the love of friends. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, and then we also have Agape, the love of God to us. Agape love is an unconditional, unending love. It is not based on emotion or situation. Agape love is an altogether different kind of love from the other ones. And so when Jesus told his disciples in John 13 to love one another as I have loved you, he wasn't saying love each other with a romantic kind of love or love each other even as that friendship, brotherly kind of love, he said love each other with agape love. With the same kind of love that God has for us, that that's how you are to love one another. And that's how the world is going to know that you are a follower of me, is if you love one another the way God loves you. That's how people are going to know, by the way that you care for one another. So this commandment that John is talking about here is to love one another the way God loves us. So why does John call it an old commandment? Why does he say this is an old commandment? He says it's been there from the beginning. The beginning of your Christian life. The gospel message, John is saying, the gospel message, salvation, is wrapped up in God's love. Because it's God's love that calls us to repent from our sins. It is God's love that sent Jesus to earth to die for us. And it's out of love that we are called to respond and pursue walking in the light, obeying God, what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. 
Love is at the very core of the gospel. It's always been there. See, Christianity is not a bait-and-switch kind of religion. It's not like, oh, you want to be a Christian? Cool, come be a Christian, get saved. Now, ha, you have to love people. Ha, ha, we tricked you. That's not Christianity. There's no bait-and-switch. There's no fine print. Love is always built in because God himself is love. Remember, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And we're going to see that love and light go together. These things are tied together. So when John says, I am writing to you no new commandment, but something that is old, something you've had from the beginning, what he is saying is that the command to love should be wrapped up in the gospel right from the start. It shouldn't be that you become a Christian and once you, you know, work your way up to level two, now you can start loving other people. That's not, the, that's not what Christianity is. No, as a Christian, you are called to love others right from the beginning. So then how is this clearly old commandment, this thing that God has been talking about since the beginning, that it was out of love that he formed this relationship with his people, why is this old commandment, how can John then say it's also a new commandment in verse 8? If it's already been there from the beginning, if it's been wrapped up in the gospel, it's wrapped up in who God is, how can it be old and new at the same time? Well, just like how we looked at the word love, and there's various uses of the word love, uh, new can have a few actually different variations as well, right? In 2007, Apple debuted the iPhone. And this thing was totally different, right? It took an iPod, it took a phone, it put them together. It was awesome. You could play games on it. It could do everything. It was fresh. It was unique. It was something original, something new. It was unlike anything else that was on the market. In September of 2016, Apple released the iPhone 7 the seventh version of the iPhone. There's some updates to the processor. The battery is a little bit better. The style looks a little different. The camera has been upgraded. It was something new. But see, these things are not new in the same way. Both were considered new. When Apple released the original iPhone, it was new. When it released the iPhone 7 and when it releases the iPhone 8 in the fall, it will be new, but just different kinds of new. One was fresh and unique and totally different, totally original. The other one is a variation of something that was already there. You see the difference there? They're both new, just a different kind of new. So what kind of new is John talking about when he refers to the commandment of love? Well, the commandment of love, to love one another as God loves us, that's not just an update. That's something fresh. That's something unique and game-changing. So what makes it new? What makes it so fresh and unique? It's new in the emphasis that Jesus placed on it. That if we are able to love one another, Jesus says, in doing that, we will accomplish what the rest of the law calls us to do. Jesus said, if you are able to do this, you will fulfill the law. Because if you are loving other people as God loves you, then you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to hate. You are not going to hurt. We will not cut down because love doesn't do these things. 
There is a new emphasis placed on the way that we are to care and interact with one another by Jesus. A new emphasis on this thing called love. We are to love the way Jesus loved us. And he loved us even while we were enemies against him. Jesus once said, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And then someone asked him, okay, well, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Who, who are these neighbors that I'm supposed to love? And Jesus responded with one of his most famous parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We don't have time to totally take apart the Good Samaritan story, but in that story, basically what Jesus was saying is, those people, the Samaritan people who are your enemies as Israelites, those people who hate you, who actively go out of their way to attack you, who make it so that you can't travel to certain towns because they will kill you if you go onto their roads, those people, those are your neighbors. Those people who are actively trying to hurt you, that's your neighbor, and you're called to love them as you love yourself. This new command is new because it calls us to love those who it is hard to love. Those people radically different than us. Those people who are actively trying to oppose you, attack you. Those people who you consider to be an enemy. Jesus said you are called to love them. This new command teaches us that Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. So now you go and love your enemies likewise. This new commandment looks different. It takes on a selfless focus, even to the point Jesus showed it to us because he came to earth and he dies on a cross, giving himself up out of love. Jesus gave up his life for us because of the love he has for us. He said this is what that kind of love looks like. It is sacrificing. It is selfless. It expects nothing in return. And that is the command that we have on us. This new command is new because it's bringing about something different. It's bringing about change. Look at what he says. He says the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I don't think this is going to be a shock to anyone. We live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. That's not new. It's been full of sin and rebellion since Adam and Eve. Satan has run amok in this place and has caused chaos and death and pain throughout the land, throughout generations. But when Jesus showed up, when that baby cried in that manger... Everything changed. Light entered into the darkness. The true light is driving out the darkness. This commandment of love that Jesus exemplified, that he modeled for us and taught us, through him the darkness is being driven out. And so as we obey that commandment to love, the darkness is being driven out. When we share the gospel with other people, the darkness is being driven out. When we show love and grace to those it is hard to love, the darkness is being driven out. When we respond to hate with love, the darkness is being driven out. When we share our stories, when we share our lives with others, not to puff ourselves up, but to point them to Jesus and show people, this is what Jesus did in my life. That's us 
driving the darkness out. There's still sin in the world. We live in a violent, angry city. And this is going to be around until Christ comes back. And so it's easy to look around at our city, at our country, and to say, you know what, there's just too much darkness. It's too overwhelming. There's too much hate. There's too much evil. It It can't possibly be driven out. But the truth is, there's a famous quote that says, the light shines the brightest in the darkest of places. Our light, our pursuit of showing love at a time marked by hate can be a bright, bright light in a very dark city. John says the darkness is passing away. It's actively happening right now. It's currently happening. It began when Jesus entered into the world. His life was marked by revealing these moments when he was showing us what it's going to look like when the darkness is completely eradicated. And so he would heal. He would raise from the dead. He would do these things and show this is what it looks like when the true light is completely shining. The darkness is gone. This is what it's going to be like when I finally put an end to sin. This darkness that we are dealing with is not forever. There will come a day when the darkness will be a thing of the past and we won't even remember it. Jesus is the true light and he is already shining. He's already doing what light does and driving out darkness. But what's interesting is that he calls us, he invites us to be part of what he is doing. Because he also calls us to be lights in the world, to walk in the light, to obey Christ. So we are invited to take an active role in what God is doing in the world. And so in these last couple of verses, in 9 through 11, we get a little bit of a warning and a little bit of an encouragement on how this happens. John gives us two options of how to respond to this invitation to be lights in the world, to follow Christ. And so look at verse 9 and verse 11, because he basically says the same thing in those two verses. In verse 9, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And then verse 11, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's pretty clear, right? What John is saying, what he has said multiple times already in this letter, is that you can say whatever you want to. You can put on whatever face you want to. You can fake however you want to fake, but the Bible is pretty clear. You can't say that you are in the light, that you are obeying God and hate. If you do that, you are actually in darkness. And so you can lie, you can fake it, and you can convince all kinds of other people, but what John is saying is these things are incompatible. You cannot have hate and be in the light. And some of you might hear that and say, yeah, but what about, what about the evil people? What about the corrupt? What about those people who post those hurtful things on Facebook? What about the protesters? What about the bigots? To that I would say, first, remember, our commandment is love. And that's a game changer. It's a new commandment that we are called to love our enemies. You can't say that you are pursuing following God and still hold on to the hate in your heart. It is incompatible. 
But secondly, look at who John is talking to here. When he says in verse 9 and verse 11, he says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Verse 11, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. John isn't even talking about the enemies of our life right now. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. He's talking about hating and loving your brother. We aren't even talking about those who are against us. We are talking about fellow Christians. What John is saying is that you cannot be in fellowship with God if you are at odds with fellow Christians. Now, does that mean you need to be BFFs with every Christian? No. But we are called to love one another. And love is an action verb, which means we cannot be indifferent to one another. So the question to ask then, are there Christians in your life Are there Christians in this church who your relationship with them is marked by hate or maybe even just indifference? Maybe there's some kind of grudge or past hurt that you are clinging on to. If that's true, you are in darkness and it's time to get out. And maybe today you're hearing that for the first time. If you're holding on to something, if you are holding on to something against a fellow Christian, you are not walking in the light. You are not obeying Christ. If you want to be in the light, you have to forgive. You have to let go of the hate and whatever else you are holding on to because all it is doing is keeping you trapped in darkness. And if you are in the darkness, then look at verse 10 or excuse me, verse 11. If you are in the darkness, you're going to walk around in darkness and you will be blinded by it. You wander around not knowing where you are going because the darkness blinds you. It will, if you allow yourself to hold on to the hate, to the grudge, to the anger, and you allow yourself to stay in darkness, eventually you're going to get hurt. Eventually you are going to not be able to avoid the pitfalls and pains. You're not going to see it coming and it's going to destroy you. Or you can do like John says in verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Again, he makes it pretty clear. Love as Christ loved, walk in the light. Or hate and walk in darkness. There is no way that you can mix hate and light. Those things are incompatible. And so he says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, dwells in the light, stays focused in the light, and the light will shine and will guide you. This idea of abiding in the light, abiding in Christ, this is something we're going to talk a lot about about love and about abiding in the light as we walk through this series. And as we do, I pray that we are being the kind of church where we are not only just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. Because it's one thing to just come in on a Sunday and hear a sermon and then just let it float away and have no impact on our lives. Write a few things down and call it a day, but we need to be the kind of people who hear what God is saying to us and we respond. 
We respond to the call to love, to respond to the encouragement to get out of the darkness and into the light, where there is safety, where there is hope, where there is life. Let us be a people marked by love and who accept the invitation to be lights in the world that God is calling us to be. Love is an old commandment. It has been there wrapped up from the day where Christ called to you, where God said, hey, you're mine. I know that you are a sinner and I forgive you anyway. Love has been there from the beginning, but it's also new. It's new every day that we pursue showing love and driving out darkness. Every day we have a chance to make this new love newer again by responding to what Christ has commanded us to do. Love one another as Christ loved us first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for a day like this where we can gather and we can worship. God, we thank you for days where we get to open the text and you give us a hard commandment but a clear commandment to love. God, you know it's not always easy. It's not easy to love everyone, especially the way that you love us. But God, we know that you are good and so you wouldn't give us a command if you didn't also give us the ability, give us the tools we need to make that happen. And so, God, help us to lean on the Holy Spirit. Help us to trust in those moments where it's hard to show love, it's hard to show compassion and trust. Help us to do so well. And when we we fail at it, God, let us not be discouraged. Let us pick ourselves up, learn from those situations, and love in the next one. God, we talked about this morning loving our brothers, loving each other, loving fellow Christians. God, help us to be a church marked by love. That when people come and visit this place, that when people join us for worship, join us at events, they, are, they see and they know us by the way that we love one another, by the way we care for one another. God, I thank you for the love that is in this place. And Lord, I pray that if there's any other, if there's any darkness, if there are any grudges, there's any hate, there's any resentment, God, that you are driving those things out. Help us to get out of the darkness and into the light where there is safety. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to change everything to make it possible for us to have a new relationship with you, to show us what it's going to look like when he comes back to reign and rule and there will be no more darkness and sickness and pain and there will just be the light of you. Lord, as we go out into the world, help us to be the lights that you are calling us to be. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name.